Elaine, I hope you're watching the clothes because I can't take my eyes off the bash. No, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't. It's too long. Quit telling your stupid story about the stupid desert and just die already. Die! But I don't want to be a secondary character. Hello. Hey, my buddy. How you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. You feeling better from last week? I am. Oh, yes. Good. We've had a week off, but we're uh, back into the swing of things. This is, but I don't want to be a secondary character, a Seinfeld podcast where we take a random episode of Seinfeld and examine the secondary characters from it. My name is Stephen. And my name is Ivan. And yeah, after that week off, uh, like I said before, poor Stephen was a little bit sick, but he's feeling much better. And uh, yeah, I'm glad to be back in the Vandalay Studios. Indeed, as am I. Yes. This week we're doing the uh, English Patient. Yes, that is Season 8, Episode 17. And uh, this marks the debut of Izzy Mandelbaum. Yes, a much-loved secondary character. <laughs> yeah. The last time he was on, uh, we actually did The Blood. I think it was one of our first ever episodes. I think episode eight yeah, or nine Yeah, way back of in the, the early podcast. days. Yeah, back in the, you know, 2017 when we uh, when we started. And uh, I realised that Izzy was actually only in The English Patient and The Blood. I thought he was in more episodes. Yeah, I was saying, I think it's because he's such a popular secondary character, you if you don't actually think about what episodes he's in, you just assume he's in a lot because of his popularity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, turns out he's only in two. That's right. So today's secondary, Stephen, uh, besides Izzy, I have his son, Izzy Jr., um, Danielle and Neil. So Danielle is George's episode girlfriend, and Neil, who's apparently George's lookalike, doesn't work out, though. Compared More to George, George than George. <laughs> More George than George. And also uh, Blaine. So uh, that's Elaine's episode boyfriend who uh, ditches her after she says she doesn't like the English patient. Who do you have, Steve? Any other uh, notes on other characters? Uh, no, no, no one else. There cool. is quite a few. Uh, there are quite a few secondaries in this episode. Yeah, there are. Yeah. Uh, but other than the ones you mentioned, there's not really a lot to work with. So I didn't bother taking notes uh, on anyone else. Fair enough. If you want to get in touch with us, you can. You can email us, podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on all social media forms, more or less. <laughs> uh, you can check out all the links in the show notes for the episode. Yes. If you want to support us, you can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash BIDWBASC. And for as little as $2 a month, you can get early access to episodes as well as fortnightly bonus content. Yes. And uh, this week's uh, fortnightly, or this fortnight's bonus episode, I should say. This week's uh, fortnightly. This week's what? fortnightly episode, yes. <laughs> no, um, we did a review of Enough Said. That was the 2013 romantic comedy starring Julie Louis-Dreyfus and the late James Gandolfini. So, yeah. Uh, yeah no. That was a really good movie. Yeah. So if you want to check out what we uh, think of that. Just head over to Patreon and sing, uh, swing us a few bucks and you can check out that and all the other bonus content. And if you don't like commitment, we are on PayPal as well. So uh, those links are in the show notes if you want to make a one-off donation to the show. Anyway, Seinfeldism this week, Stephen. Uh, I actually have a pretty funny one, actually. How about yourself? Uh, I've only got one. It's not that great. but So you uh, you start off. Okay. Um. So my partner, Jan- or my I should say my fiance, we're engaged now. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Season 7, Episode 1, The Engagement. Let me guess. You bought us some invitations. 
nauseous. <laughs> yes, but I'll make sure that she doesn't get killed. Uh, she'll just get mildly nauseous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're not know. we're not monsters. We're not monsters like George, and we're not going to go for coffee after she gets sick. No, no, no. Yeah, no. So we'll, we'll actually care about her her yeah, illness. Well, absolutely, her well being. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um. So anyway, my fiance. Um. She uh was having afternoon tea at work, and um someone came up to her like one of her um coworkers, and she said, "Your partner does a Seinfeld podcast, doesn't he?" And she goes, "Yeah," because apparently she told him many months ago that we did the podcast. Someone else caught wind of it in the office and went up to her and said, I love Seinfeld. What's the name of your partner's podcast? And, uh, yeah, she told her a bit of a basket, obviously. And, uh, yeah, everyone talked about Seinfeld for the next half an hour. Over nice. afternoon tea. Awesome. So it was really cool. And, unfortunately, because Janina doesn't watch Seinfeld too much, <laughs> she was a bit out of the loop. But, uh, yeah, everyone was really enjoying uh, talking about the show. And uh, people were saying that they're looking forward to listening to the podcast. Cool. Well, yeah. our work is done. If we're creating more Seinfeld conversations, then I'm happy. Anything yes. else is just a bonus. <laughs> That's right. How about you, man? Uh, Yeah, so I have uh, one this week, as I mentioned. It's not as good as yours. (laughs) I recently watched Bumblebee, which is a uh, spin-off of the Transformers franchise, and I would say the only good Transformers film out of the six films. Yeah, because Michael Bay didn't direct that one, did he? That's right, yeah. So there's less explosions and less asses. Yeah, it's it's an actual storyline with, you know, people and reality, or (laughs) semi-reality. It has a coherent plot. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Uh, And the lead actress in that uh, movie is Hayley Steinfeld. Steinfeld, yes, which actually, she has no relation to Jerry Seinfeld, but uh, I think her mother, um, wasn't her mother said that she always gets mistaken for being like related to Jerry because of the similar name? I think so, yeah. Something like that. Cool. Yeah, I have brought her up a couple of times during Seinfeld news and I think Seinfeldisms as well because of the similar last name. But uh, yeah, no relation to Seinfeld. What's the deal with world domination? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that's my Seinfeldism for the week. Very good, mate. Uh, Seinfeld news, how many pieces do you have this week? Well, because it's been a couple of weeks since we've recorded, I've got four. Okay. Uh, The first one being about Hayley Steinfeld. Excellent. So coincidentally, she's released a new single. It's called Afterlife, um, and it's for a new TV show, which is called Dickinson, um, and she stars in it, and she produced it as well. Okay. So, a very talented woman. She's acting in it, produces it, and uh, wrote the lead single from it. I love how we incorporate Steinfeld into Seinfeld. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Just like your uh, new uh, thing, the thing that the mics go in. Seinfeld. Oh, yeah, called Steinberg. Yeah, exactly. That, that's the brand that the, of the audio mixer. That's how yeah. desperate our Seinfeldisms are now. Yeah, I know. No, but it's good, mate, in case you don't know that, because um, we, we put this on our Instagram, but the brand of the mixer that we use for recording this podcast is Steinberg, but with a bit of trickery, with a bit of masking tape and the pen, I actually trickery. made it. Trickery, masking tape. Masking tape, yes, <laughs> and a pen. Rock, actually, our space pen, funnily enough, I used it for that. Oh, of uh, course. I put tape over some of the letters, and now it looks like Seinfeld. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. Go back through our Much Instagram. improved. Yeah, much improved. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, yeah, so you can check out the new single, Afterlife. It's on Spotify and all of the other places you would get new music, and it's actually not too bad for okay. a pop song. Cool. Pretty good. Nice. Uh, second bit of news is uh, sort of a follow-up to the recent news that uh, Seinfeld will be heading to Netflix in 2021, and there's been no confirmed amount that uh, was agreed upon between uh, Sony and um, Netflix, but rumors suggest uh, five to six hundred million dollars. Mm, yeah. But it has been confirmed that both Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld will each receive 
uh, 100 to 125 million dollars each just from that deal. And that puts Jerry, I'm pretty sure, just off a billion dollars. No, worth. it makes him a billionaire now. In Australian dollars, I think, right? Uh, well, in American dollars. Oh, American so too? It's, oh, so wow. It's, yeah. Oh, so, geez. yeah, there are a whole bunch of articles and that was sort of the headline, the fact that Jerry is now a comedy billionaire. Well, we knew that would happen. Yeah, <laughs> It eventually. was going to happen down the line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Jerry's a billionaire. There we go. Excellent. There you go. There you go. Uh, the third bit of news is, again, this is a follow-up piece. Uh, in December 2017, I first reported about a copyright lawsuit that was filed against Jerry and the producers of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Oh, yes. So it was filed by a bloke named Christian Charles, and he claimed that he came up with the idea for Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee way back in 2002 when he directed the Jerry Seinfeld documentary Comedian. Mm. which we've actually done a review for. And uh, if you go back through the feed, you can find that. Yeah, many years ago. <laughs> many, many years ago. So in 2011, when the show's uh, first season was being filmed, um, they disagreed on payment terms. Um, Seinfeld wanted him basically to be for hire, whereas uh, Charles wanted to sort of be um, a recipient of back-end you know, royalties, like a, like a, a credit and always receive yep. uh, royalties for the show. Yep. And that disagreement caused their uh, split professionally. Um, and then he kind of went away and Seinfeld went on, went on with the concept, sold it to Netflix, made even more money. <laughs> um, but yeah, in December 2017, he filed a lawsuit uh, claiming copyright and Seinfeld filed a countersuit, uh, you know, basically to, to piss the case off. <laughs> And uh, over the week, over the last week, it was determined by a judge that the uh, claim made by Charles was actually out of the statute of limitations. Excellent. So I can't remember. Can't claim. Yeah. So I can't remember which state that the lawsuit was filed in, but in that state, the statute of limitations on copyright claims is only three years. I'm hoping Rhode Island. You know, reference to Miss Rhode Island. That would be good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So because he uh, claimed that he came up with the show in 2002. And the show was produced in 2011, but he only filed the suit in 2017. Too many years had passed. So the too judge bad. basically said, sorry, mate, too bad. See you later. And Jerry hangs on to his billion dollars. Yep. Doesn't lose a single dollar. Yep. Fantastic. That's it. Good for him. Yeah. So uh, Jerry wins again. And even if even if he did have a decent claim, um, you know, I don't know the, the financial situation of uh, Christian Charles, but I don't imagine he would have anywhere near as much money mm, to pay so. high-priced lawyers like Jerry. So even if he had a legitimate claim, I'd be surprised if he won just by the fact that Jerry is Jerry and he yeah, can yeah. afford the best lawyers. And he can probably just tie it through the courts for a couple of years. And, yeah, you know, let yeah, it go, and exhaust him, <laughs> and then exhaust his, uh, you know, his financial um, ability, and then and yeah, then he might yeah. finally decide on an out-of-court settlement, you that's know, and, which is much lower than what he wanted, and yeah, exactly, that's it. Game yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, sometimes it's better to just you know realize your competition and throw the towel in early. That's it. That's uh, the final bit of news is that bit of a sad one in a way. Oh, uh, okay. So, uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus at these Emmy Awards was expected to win for um, the final season of Veep. Mm, yeah. And in yeah. a surprise announcement, she actually didn't. So, if she won, she or she was nominated for Best uh, lead Female Lead in a Comedy Role, mm. and she was expected to win that, but it actually went to Phoebe Waller-Bridge for her series on Amazon Prime called Fleabag. A Fleabag, yeah. I've heard that's a really good show. Oh, it's it's awesome. I watched it maybe a month ago, right? and it's really awesome. Like, oh, And I've cool. been a fan of Phoebe Waller-Bridge for ages. She's oh, okay. hilarious. Cool, cool. Um, she's an English woman, and she's just super, super... She's kind of awkward funny. Yeah, sure. Um, really cool. It kind of reminds me, in a way, of um, like Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's very much... I'm a very flawed human yes. and I'm going to put it all out there, oh, okay. um, you know, and I'm really fucked up, but there's sort of an earnest 
charm to oh, it. I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah, it's really okay. good. Cool. Nice. Um, she's not a horrible person like Larry David in Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's, she's a good person with lots of flaws. Okay, sure. Um, but just that sort of honest, uh, you know, bare all writing and, and production reminds me a bit yeah. of Curb. Well, big props to JLD. I mean, yeah. the fact that she won... I think one or two for Elaine Emmys, yep. and she was nominated. She won several one times. for Elaine. I think one for, for Elaine, actress. and nominated maybe two, three times. I think. Yeah. And then she's been nominated again. You know, she's won six out of seven times for Veep. Yeah, she's incredible. won eleven Emmys in total. Yeah. She's won seven for acting. Yeah. Uh, and if she won this one, she would have been the biggest single uh, Emmy Award winner, you know, male or female in any genre. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for acting, incredible. But she's still tied, and uh, you know, who knows what she'll do in the future? She'll probably do another series and. You know, start the process all over again. Or like Jerry said, he tweeted, uh, you know, tongue in cheek yesterday. He'll do a reboot if he can get that guy yeah. from the, uh, was it the Mets? I forgot his name. Oh, uh, yeah, something like, like that. Some, uh, we're not familiar with baseball, sorry. So if you go back through Jerry's t- uh, Twitter feed, uh, yeah, he said that as jokingly, he said he'd do a Seinfeld reboot if he got some baseball player on board to be the boyfriend instead of Keith Hernandez. Yes. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. so a link to uh, some articles about JLD as well as all the other bits of Seinfeld news that I talked about will be in the show notes. Very good, mate. And uh, we'll have a little break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the secondary characters from today's episode, The English Patient, Season 8, Episode 17. Hello, folks. Matt McCoy here, a.k.a. Lloyd Braun from Seinfeld. And I'm telling you right now, I do not want to be a secondary character. Hello, listening people. Hello. I'm Ryan. I'm Bartek. And we are from the Spit and Polish Presents podcast. Bartek, what kind of podcast is that? We talk about film. Films? Films. Films, Ryan? Films, Ryan. Films by me, Ryan (laughs) Slawinski. One film per episode in three different formats. Exactly right, Bartek. And we're the only podcast that happens to be spitting and being Polish while we do it. We discuss the movies that few dare to discuss. You can find us on all of the social medias. Except for Instagram ins- and MySpace. <laughs> except and for Instagram and the unused MySpace. 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 Snapchat. We are on Minecraft though. <laughs> We're not, but I think my brother is. <laughs> Basically, any platform in which you can find a podcast, Spit and Polish Presents, you'll find us. Welcome back to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. This week we are doing The English Patient. Why don't you take us through a plot? Yes, a very short plot. Uh, First date in the US, March 13, 1997, directed by Andy Ackman, written by Steve Corrin. Uh, Jerry visits his parents in Florida. Kramer asks Jerry to pick up some Cubans while he's there. Actual Um, Cubans. Actual Cubans. Real humans from Cuba. That's right. We're talking about... Jerry. Cigars! Cigars. We're talking about people, right? (laughs) Um, The next day, Jerry has an encounter with Izzy Mandelbaum, played by Lloyd Bridges, uh, the founder of the Magic Pan Crepe Restaurant. He challenges Jerry to a weightlifting contest, but when Izzy takes it too far, he winds up in the hospital. It's time to take it up a notch. It's go time. I just love that back-breaking sound effect. That's a generic pull a muscle in my back sound. (laughs) Oh, my back. Call an ambulance. There's already one for Mrs. Glickman. Oh, there's room for one more. <laughs> um, Jerry goes to visit and learns that Izzy, his father, and his son are nearly identical in age. And each one challenges Jerry to a weightlifting contest. I got Me- married in high school. Yeah. <laughs> I love when um, Izzy Senior walks in and he goes, my boys. And then Izzy goes, my dad. My and grandfather. Then, and then Jerry's like, oh, come on. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, back in New York, Elaine's repeatedly dragged to go see the best picture winning film, The English Patient, but she absolutely hates it. Peterman nearly fires her when she gets angry and leaves halfway through the movie. 
Peterman gets so angry that Elaine that instead of firing her, he decides to teach her a lesson by making her go to Tunisia and live in a cave for six weeks. For inspiration. Yes. Jerry gets back to New York and Kramer learns that the Cubans aren't cigars. And in George's subplot, he meets a woman who mistakes him for her boyfriend, Neil. And uh, yeah, it turns out that George, I guess, you know, she falls for George instead. But George is so curious about Neil rather than her. Yeah, yeah, he's out Neil Neil. Yeah, he's out Neil Neil. That's right. Um, so Chelsea Noble, she plays Danielle. Um, Lloyd Bridges, as I said, plays Izzy Mandelbaum. G. Donarski plays plays Izzy Junior. Uh, Earl Sherman, uh, he plays Izzy Senior in his first ever acting role. Hmm. Can you believe it? Earl Sherman, sorry, that's his name. Uh, Lisa Mendy plays Carol. Todd Jeffries is Blaine, who's Elaine's episode boyfriend. Uh, O'Neill Compton plays Earl Hafler from the Diplomats Club. He's the uh, Kramer's cowboy investor friend. Yeah. Yes, who we saw in that episode. He refers as well. to himself in third person, first person all the time. That's right. Uh, Marco Rodriguez plays Guillermo, one of the Dominicans. Uh, Jill Talley plays Gail. Jeff Miller is Neil, who's uh, George's adversary. And finally, Edgar Small, he plays one of your mates, Sid Luckman. Yes. Morty's friend from Florida. I like Sid. Yes. He's good. <laughs> He's got a voice. Yeah, he talks like this. That's why I love him. That's why you love him. That's right. Um, so, uh, some trivia about the episode. This is the first mention of one of the many fictional films in the show, Sack Lunch. Mm. Yes. One of the most, I think, well-known fictional movies That's right. in the Seinfeld universe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so, Earl Sherman, the actor who plays Izzy Senior, was born in February 1916. And uh, his son in the episode, and it kind of lines up with the joke, uh, was only born three years later in January 19... Uh, As in the actor who played his son. So, so uh, Lloyd Bridges, yeah? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> uh, sorry, I said three years younger. I meant three years older. He oh, was, He was right. born in 1913. Yeah. So, Whereas Lloyd senior, Bridges was in 1916, right? No, no, 1913. Oh. So, L. Sherman was born... Sherman, sorry, was born in 1916. Oh, Lloyd Bridges Lloyd, was 1913. But Lloyd Bridges played a, his son. Yeah, so oh, his character okay. is younger, cool. but the actor is older. Yeah. So, I got married in high school. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Awesome. Um, George spends the whole time trying to encounter Neil, as I mentioned before, uh, who's alleged to look very much like him, although George is flattered to learn that he is a little taller and in better shape. At last, he meets Neil, but Neil's in the hospital, and George can't see his face because his face is bandaged after being burnt, and that's a reference to the English patient. Apparently, there's a scene where uh, the guy is wrapped in bandages. I've never seen the film. Neither. Um, But yeah, apparently, there's a scene where, uh, yeah, apparently, he's wrapped in bandages. Oh, okay. So, it's a reference to that. Oh, well, another Neil bit of trivia. So the uh, actor who plays him, his name is Jeffrey Kurt Miller. He's actually George's stand-in from uh, season six through nine. That's right. And he's actually played some bit characters in other episodes as well. Okay. Yeah, he's been in about 10 other episodes. But this is probably his most famous role. Oh. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yes. So he does, I guess he does look like Jason Alexander. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, yeah. In a way, yeah. Yeah. And as I mentioned, uh, one of the um, Kramer's investors, his name's Earl, he was also in the Diplomats Club, and uh, he's apparently forgiven Kramer for hustling him in that previous episode. Yeah. Yeah. Which is surprising because Earl is very insistent that no one gets one over on him. Yeah, that's right. But obviously Kramer's charming enough to, you know, (laughs) for him to give him a second chance. That's right. And also Elaine says, uh, how can you have sex in a tub when she's at Monk's? Apparently there was... Was no scene 
uh, in the English patient where they have sex in a hot bar. Oh, okay. So there you go. Oh. Apparently it doesn't happen. Oh. So. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, the uh, actress who played the waitress at the diner, her name's Lisa Bowles, she's actually the real-life half-sister of JLD. That's right. They share the same mother. That's right. Yes. Anyway, some secondary characters. Oh, did you have any more trivia rushes? Uh, there's a few more, but we've gone through enough, I think. Yeah, so you- this episode's actually quite trivia-heavy. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Enough's enough. Enough's enough. You can always go on IMDb and look at the rest. Yeah. All right. Secondary characters. Who are we talking about first, my friend? Why don't we talk about Blaine? Blaine, yes. He is played by Todd Jeffries. Uh, he's appeared in over 30 TV shows, uh, including uh, in bit parts, of course, including NCIS, Veep with JLD, and uh, Criminal Minds. Cool. Among many others. Yes. So Blaine, I think, is a really sophisticated guy. Uh, loves those kind of drama. I think he's really intellectual. He loves those kind of films which last three Three hours and they kind of make you, you know, think or I think he's really into like deep stories and stuff. And uh, he thinks less of people who enjoy, you know, slapstick, dumb comedies like Sack Lunch. And uh, he goes so far to break up with Elaine Mm. because of it. I've got a bit of a theory. So I reckon the breakup uh, when Blaine dumps Elaine because she hates this film and most of her complaints are about the length and just the overabundance of dialogue and she's just like, hurry up, die already. I reckon she actually takes the time to watch it and it actually changes her movie taste because in uh, what's the episode where she uh, is like yeah. having a bit of a fling with the, the guy at the movie shop, the video shop. Oh, okay. Um, you know, oh, and her and like, the comeback, yeah, the that's comeback, Jean, yeah, 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 yeah. and oh, know, Vincent, Jean and Vincent, yeah, of Vincent. So, yeah. Yes. I mean, in that movie, she's yep. a fan of movies like The English Patient, yeah, and she doesn't want to watch Weekend at Bernie's, which is Kramer's recommendation. So I reckon her tastes have changed from sort of, you know, more basic blue collar working films to to uh, you know, more arty full length films. But I think the comeback was before this episode, wasn't was it? Was it? I'm pretty sure. So maybe it was the other way around. Oh, okay. Maybe she enjoyed those high brow films and then she started liking dumb comedies like Weekends and Bernie's oh, okay. too. So maybe Weekend of Bernie's changed her. Maybe that changed oh, her. Yeah, I, okay. I, think that, I think it came before the comeback. Oh, I don't remember. But yeah, I guess you could apply it either way. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess the ultimate point is that there seems to be a bit of a contradiction in her taste yeah, between yeah. the comeback and this episode. But something's changed somewhere. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I didn't really have much about Blaine. I just wanted to mention that uh, the fact that he's so, um, like, narky about Elaine liking what he likes. I've experienced that. And I've done that myself, too, where, you yeah. you know, you, you really enjoy something and you want other people to like it. And when they don't like it, they either don't care or they just plain dislike it. It's really hard to not take it personally, even though it's not personal because mm. everyone's got different tastes and of it's course. all subjective. Yeah. Uh, but being on the receiving end of that where someone is really insistent that you like something or that you have to enjoy it on the same level as them. And when you don't and you're honest about it and they get really narky, you're really like personal. Pariah, it's, just, aren't you? it's just like, you know, it's just a movie. Like yeah. it, it doesn't, it's not about me as a person. And, you know, if we all like the same things, then it'd be a bit boring, wouldn't it? And Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, that's the joke as well because the English patient, like I said, won the best picture Oscar. Mm. And I think it won, how many awards I've got it written down here? It won nine Academy Awards. Wow. So, yeah, like ridiculous. Best art direction, best actress in a supporting role for Juliette Binoche, um, best sound, best film editing, best director and best picture. Huh. I mean, it won all these awards and obviously, 
you know, well, probably not as much these days as such, but, you know, back then the Oscar, like if you won an Oscar, that should be like, wow, incredible. Yeah, the Oscars are a bit less relevant now. These days. But back then the Oscars were like, my gosh, you won an Oscar, it must be amazing. Yeah. And it's like, this film won Oscars, how come you don't like it? Mm. You know, it's, you know, like Dances with Wolves won Best Picture. Yeah. And I fucking hate that movie. You watch it now and it it's just a out. load of self-indulgent wank, oh, isn't it? It is. And it's like, so by that logic, because it won an Oscar, I should yeah. like it. It's like, no. No. I've seen films which have won absolutely no awards yeah. and they're amazing. Like Shawshank Redemption was nominated for like, I think, 10 awards, won zero. Mm. And it's like one of the greatest films. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. So it's like, you don't have to win an award to be considered, yeah. you know, valid. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's a bit of a snob. I mean, he really looks down, I think, upon Elaine and he's got a real sort of judgmental tone in his voice when she's uh, wanting to see Sack Lunch. Yeah. And you can tell he's a bit gleeful when Sack Lunch is sold out because straight away he jumps in and he's like, Two for the English patient, please. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, true. So I he think he's really it, happy he? the yes. fact that, yeah. Uh, yeah, Sack Lunch is sold out. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I didn't yeah. like Blaine. Something about him just ticked me off. Oh, jeez. Just a bit of a snob. But he's a typical archetype for a Lane's preferred man, you know. I'm guessing high salary. Yeah. You know, he's Tall, dressed quite successful, well. successful. He's a handsome man. Yeah. Um, but obviously the English patient is enough for her to, you know, not not consider all that and just go, ah, whatever. Yeah. Well, he gets to the point where he even, like, dumps a Lane, but then he goes with those three ladies. Yeah. To go see the English patient. So mm. I think he does it more, probably not to, you know, get with those women, but I think he does it more because they have like a common uh, thing where they both all like the English patient and they can understand it and appreciate it. That's probably why they go and see it. Yeah. I don't think he's... It's like a platonic thing. Yeah. I yeah. don't think he's dumped Elaine to get with uh, any of those women. Mm. I think he's just, you know, it's, it's almost just like, well, for, in terms of writing, it's just they're ganging up on Elaine. Yeah. It's just to reinforce the fact that she's a pariah because she doesn't like the English patient. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else about Blaine? No, I didn't have much either. I think I read somewhere that he's in another episode of Seinfeld as Blaine. Okay. But I I forgot to pick that up. Can't remember. Anyway, we'll yeah. talk about it eventually. Yeah, probably eventually. Let's talk about Danielle, George's girlfriend, in the show. Yes. So Danielle was played by... in the episode. By, yes. <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, Danielle was played by Chelsea Noble. Uh, she appeared in the TV shows Growing Pains, Full House, and Who's the boss and i guess i should mention neil as well because i guess in a way they're like one character because you kind of see neil for a little bit yeah um like you mentioned before he's played by jeffrey kurt miller Uh, he's credited as jeff miller in the episode and yeah he was jason alexander's stand-in from season six to nine and uh yeah he's played he's appeared in three episodes of seinfeld as different characters as well bit parts yeah um so yeah uh danielle um i don't know what do you what do you think well i think she's got a bit of a savior complex i think the more broken people are or the more flaws that she perceives the more attracted she is you make a really good point because when neil burns himself on those grapes when the blueberry um sauce or juice or whatever it was um she's gonna take a clinic take him to a clinic in england in england yeah yeah that's crazy so she really goes above and beyond very princess diana like qualities yeah i i I, Yeah. yeah i think to be honest i mean you know princess Di was i mean i'm not going to get into the psychology of princess Di, but it's like you know, I think she was just, well, I'm a famous, powerful woman and I've got a lot of resources. I'm going to use that to do good things. Yeah. Uh, I think, Danielle, it's more of a personal need okay. to uh, to maybe fill a hole in her own life. You think she's compensating for something? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Because yeah. I think a lot of people who rescue people or try and save people rather than... And I mean, there's nothing wrong with supporting people who are going through struggles. Obviously, that's an important part in any relationship. But when you only... Uh, get with people who have a lot of problems and you want to be their saviour, that to me 
says a lot more about the the person doing the saving than the person needing the saving. Right. So I think she's trying to maybe fill a hole in her life um, or, you know, make up for her own shortcomings by trying to, you know, almost like uh, suspending her own needs uh, to satisfy other people's needs. Okay, yeah. fair enough. I, th- I had the impression that maybe she's like Marissa Tomei. She actually likes short, stocky ball pen. Okay. I thought she maybe had that kind of... You know, obsession like her. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, there could be an element of physical attraction as well. Like yeah. that's just the sort of guy she's into. Yeah, and that's totally fine. Yeah, but my perception wasn't. It wasn't so much about, uh, you know, George's self-perceived shortcomings and the fact that Neil shared the same uh, superficial shortcomings, but it was more about her need to, uh, you know, step in to fill those gaps. Um, you know, to help them rather than help herself. So yeah. I just thought it was a, a bit of a psychological issue for her and an okay. emotional issue for her. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, now I think about it, like I, I was under the impression that maybe originally she mistook, like she really loved Neil mm. and then obviously mistook George from behind to be like Neil. Yep. And then probably I thought it was more of a physical thing. And then- Well, it could maybe, be column yeah. A, column B. You know, yeah. that, that happens to be the guys that she's- physically attracted to. Yeah. But also if she was if she found a physically attractive guy who had his shit together, mm. uh, you know, was looked like George and Neil, but didn't have the emotional and psychological issues that <laughs> both of those both men of share. Have, yes. I don't think she'd be into him. I think she oh, maybe yeah. she needs both, like yeah. someone who ticks those physical boxes, but also has the needs that she needs to yeah. meet. Yeah. Um, as well as those mental yeah, things yeah. that she's after. So I think you know, both are true, really. Okay. Yeah. Well, that that was my sort of take yeah, from her. Because yeah, and what really made me realize that was the the point you brought up before about, you know, George is trying to like, uh, you know, he's like, I'll burn myself, I'll burn my parents. I'll burn, yeah, I love you know, that. he's just trying to he's trying to be more unfortunate to win her heart. Yeah. So yeah, obviously yeah. George is perceptive enough to know what motivates her. So he's yeah. like, I'll be more unfortunate and yeah. then that will I'll beat Neil. But uh, you know, she's willing to take Neil to England. Yeah. But she's already dumped him as well. It's, I don't know, it's just <laughs> it's weird. Crazy. Yeah. And they're trying to like, George is trying, like, trying to one-up him. Yeah. One-up Neil. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. like, oh, I want to be the victim. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm going to suffer more just to beat some stranger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love how Jerry makes a point saying, what if it's Neil Armstrong? Yeah. I'll fly to Mars. <laughs> yeah. What if it's Neil Diamond? <laughs> shut yeah. up, Jerry. Shut up, Jerry. Just <laughs> shut up. <laughs> oh, uh, that's good. Yes. I'll fly to Mars. Yeah, like how George has to think about it. He's like, uh, I'll fly to Mars. I'll fly to Mars. <laughs> if he was Elon Musk, he could probably do it. <laughs> He's preparing to go to Mars. Eventually. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's all I really had about her. I mean, yeah, I, I like her though. She's. Yeah. I think she's got a good heart. I just I think, think she, her, she just has maybe a bit too much sympathy, mm. you know, and cares a bit too much. Okay. Because I think you can care to the to the detriment of other people yeah. if you care a bit too much. A bit too much. Yeah. you got to care for yourself first. Yeah. In, in ways. Yeah. Do you have anything on Neil? I mean, all we really see is him, like he's a lookalike of George. But we, it's funny, I like how we don't see his face. He's yeah. like in the Burns unit and you don't see his face. <laughs> it's good. And you see like the back part, like at the back of his head at the magic pen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah. Um, do you uh, have anything on him? I mean, it's just... N- not really. Nah. I mean, he's like George, Yeah. you know, but he slight, like he's slightly more George than George. Well, he is apparently a bit shorter. He's got less hair. He's in slightly worse shape. He, uh, you know, cops a face full of syrup and burns his face. Oh, the syrup, yeah. Yeah. That's what uh, so yeah. I think he's like George, but just with a bit more George. He's like George with a sprinkling of George on top. Okay, sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like George is a steak and Neil is a George steak with a bit of George salt on top. Right, gotcha. Just slightly more George than George. Or George mushroom sauce or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you know, condiment you put on your steak. Yeah, so yeah. they're both George steaks. It's just that Neil has a bit of sauce 
Whereas, uh, you know, George George doesn't have any George sauce. Saucy. Yeah, figure that one out. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, uh, should we take a quick break and talk about the Izzy's or do you want to keep going? Oh, uh, let's just keep going. Keep going. All right. We'll, we'll talk about the Izzy's. Sure. All right. Izzy Mandelbaum was played by Lloyd Bridges and uh, we did talk about his character in The Blood. I think it was our... Ninth, eighth episode, anyway. Really early episode. Really early. Go back and have a listen. Um, Lloyd Bridges, most famous for the films Airplane and its sequel. Uh, your favourite movie, Hot Shots Part 2. Oh, man. And, so, he's so good in that film. Yeah, I love that. And um, and also in the first one, of course. Uh, yeah, and like I mentioned, he's also appeared in The Blood, um, you know, the episode in Season 9. Uh, he passed away in California in 1998, age 85. And this is one of his last uh, roles yeah. on television and film. And uh, he was the father of actors Jeff and Bo Bridges. Huh. Mm. Best line in uh, Hot Shots Part 2. <laughs> I, uh, I knew you'd start on this. Yeah. I knew. When, when Topper goes to the White House to get a, a mission briefing, he goes, uh, cookie? Like he's got, it's like a Lincoln bust, <laughs> with, which is actually a cookie jar. And you like take the top off and Topper's like, oh, no, no, no thanks. And then he goes, young lady. And the I can't remember the actress's name or the character's name, but she thinks that he's calling her young lady. Yeah. She goes, oh, no, 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 I don't want a cookie. And he goes, oh, no, no, I wasn't offering you a cookie. I was offering him a young lady. <laughs> <laughs> I just love Lloyd Bridges is such an incredible, he was an incredible comedic actor. Yeah. Like, he could play the straight guy in a comedic setting. Yeah. Like amazingly well. Yeah. It was just his timing. And even in this episode, like the way he plays Izzy is just incredible. Obviously yeah. much older than Hot Shots, you know, part deux. Um, I think he's portrayed as to like in his eighties or something, isn't he? Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I. Yeah. It was just hilarious. He only had a few lines, but just the way he delivered them, and I don't know. He just he just tries to size up Jerry, and also with the number one dad, wealth greatest dad. Yeah. You know, he, I love how he tries to one up Morty. Super as well. competitive. Super competitive guy. And uh, yeah, I think I think we mentioned in the blood that he was like an athlete. Or mm. he like he was in athletics or something. It might have been something like that. Yeah, I think but he was like a really sporty kind of guy. Yeah, I think it's a mix of you know in his physical prime, he was probably very proficient at sports. But I don't think he's accepted his physical decline, and he thinks he's still capable of what he once was. Yeah, and even a pulled back muscle doesn't tell him you know doesn't send him that message he's like no no he's he's in constant denial i think yeah he doesn't know his limits either i mean no. you know he can lift like the five kilo bar when he goes for the 20 to try and impress jerry or to go one up on him he you know splits his back or does whatever he does yeah. pulls his muscle um but yeah he obviously doesn't know his limits no he, he'd rather put his pride over his health yeah. Yeah. And he instills that into his son, uh, Izzy Jr. So he was played by uh, Gene Donarski. Uh, he's appeared in Close Encounters of the Third Kind and All the President's Men. And uh, like Izzy, Izzy, his father, he was also in the blood. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess it applies to all three of them, but mostly. Um just uh, not senior or not junior. Yeah. What would you call him? Neutral? Neutral. Izzy, Izzy Mandelbaum. Or just Neutral? Izzy. 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 Yeah. yeah. Cool. Izzy the second. Because <laughs> uh, yes. I was looking up. What like what sort of personality is there? Like a psychological profile or condition that leads to that hyper competitive? I've got to be the best uh, aspect to his personality. Yeah, and the closest thing I could find is actually narcissistic personality disorder. Narcissistic, so just, all right. yeah. yeah. So I'll just read some of the symptoms. Sure, um, and we'll see if they can relate to Izzy. Yeah, and yeah. I think some of them do. Um, some of them do definitely, and some you know maybe kind of. Uh, symptoms of MPD are a constant sense of grandiosity. And I think that kind of applies because he's always got to be the number one. He's always bragging about, yeah. you know, how he's the number one dad. And world's how he can greatest be dad. World's greatest dad. He's got to be better than number one. That's better than number one. Yep. <laughs> uh, a constant need of admiration. Yeah. And I think that motivates Izzy a bit where he's always got to be impressing. Um, and it's not just success for his own needs. It's success to show that he is the best to other people. Mm. 
Uh, and he's quite arrogant and he's self-centered, I think. Um, and uh, another personality trait of people with MPD is actually uh, constant manipulation of other people. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I think he is he's quite manipulative because even though he's the one who fucks up his own back, he kind of throws the blame back on Jerry and he Jerry. makes Jerry guilty, which and, is mm. pure manipulation. And going by um, the point you just made about manipulation, yeah. something just came to mind. You notice how like Morty and um, Sid in the home, like in, in Del Boca Vista, they yep. actually admire Izzy. I think Izzy uses the manipulation to try and get him on his side. Mm. Yeah, I, and you know... Like, like most people would probably be annoyed by Izzy and trying to like one up all the old people and stuff. Yep. They seem to have an admiration for him. Yeah. If you notice that. And yeah. I think his manipulation and his narcissism kind of fuels it. And I yeah. think it kind of like puts he's able to like manipulate people to go on his side. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh another couple of symptoms are they always try and associate with other people um that they believe are unique or gifted in some way. So I could imagine that Izzy would only ever look up to people or see people as equals who are, you know, what he sees gifted in, you know, whatever their field is. Um, and they they sort of do that to enhance their own self-esteem. Right. So, yeah, I mean, obviously we're not a psychologist <laughs> no. and he's just a character in a TV show, but a lot of the traits in this sort of description of people with MPD to me resonated with Izzy's behavior, yeah. not only in this episode, but the blood. Yeah. And it can, to a lesser extent, be applied to um, Izzy Jr. and Izzy Senior because they're basically just carbon copies basically of, the same of Izzy. Yeah. Carbon copy. Yeah. So Izzy Senior, he was played by, uh, as we mentioned, Earl Schumann. This was actually his first ever acting role, like I mentioned before. Uh, he's appeared in the show Scrums and the films Dodgeball and Mr. Deeds. He passed away in California only a few years ago, 2016, oh. aged 100. Oh, wow. Yeah. He century. He a century, yeah. So, uh, just an extra yes. thought about Izzy... Uh, is he neutral? I think tying into uh, you know, our theory that maybe in his younger days he was a bit of a sports star or a yeah. bit of an athlete. Yeah. Uh, a bit more of a description of MPD. A lot of the time, MPD can develop in in sort of like your thirties and forties. Uh, and I'm going to guess that maybe he was a successful sports person, and you know that that gave him a bit of an ego, which evolved into. NPD. Okay. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a, I think one sort of dovetailed into the other, if that yeah. makes sense. Like he was a legitimately successful sports person. Yeah. He was admired. He developed a bit of an ego from that. And that ego sort of got away from him and turned mm. into some sort of NPD. Yeah. Um, you know, just to tie those two ideas together. I, yeah. I don't know. I think that kind of makes sense in a in a in a easy narrative. Do you, think, do you think his father, like, because I, I was under the impression, just going by what you said, mm. um, I think Izzy Senior was like Izzy Neutral, yeah. um, but I don't think he was as narcissistic. Yeah. I think he probably wasn't as athletically gifted like his son, mm. but he was probably also like a sportsman or something, but maybe he was using his son to kind of like, he was going to ride the coattails of his son. Oh, and yeah. like he found that Izzy Neutral yep. was actually very talented. And he's like, this is my boy. This is my son. Yeah. You know, because I don't think Izzy Jr. probably wasn't as athletic. Well, it know, seems that Izzy Jr. looks up to, like any any sense of confidence or sense of self come directly from Izzy Neutral rather yeah. than his own achievements. Yeah. So like Izzy he, he kind of takes it up. He, he literally takes it up a notch. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Yeah, so I think, I think uh, yeah, Izzy is yeah. probably the most, I mean, there's there's the most to work with because he's the most popular out of the Izzy's in terms of screen time. Yeah. But yeah, I would say that, I, I think you're right, Izzy Senior had some traits of Izzy Neutral. Izzy Neutral like took them to the next level mm-hmm. and that was only fueled by maybe his success as an athlete yeah. in his younger days. Yeah. And Izzy Jr. maybe always felt like he was in the shadow of his father and rather than just accept his own limitations and be his own man, even, you know, now in the 
in his old age, the same age as <laughs> Izzy Neutral and Izzy Senior, he's still in that dynamic of I'm less than my father. Yeah. You yeah. know? And with the Magic Pan uh, crepe restaurant, mm. do you think Izzy Senior started it or was it Neutral? Who do you, uh, or Junior? Like, I think it probably started from Senior. Yeah. And maybe, you know, Junior's like third gen. Yeah, the third generation yep. owner. That's my guess. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that. Yeah, I think I, I'm not sure if we talked about that in the blood, oh, but that's a long time ago. Yeah, I think I would <laughs> I would assume that Izzy Senior started it. That was one hundred and eleven episodes ago. Yep. Yeah, I just checked episode nine. Oh wow. That was the blood. <laughs> yeah, oh wow. So, long, long, long time yeah, ago. So I'm sure two and a half years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I would say it started with Izzy Senior and it was successful all the way through and it's kept up its success. And yep. that probably fuels that ego that they all have. Yeah. Um, you know, the you know, because when you're successful, you naturally develop a bit of confidence mm-hmm. and that can lead to being a bit of an egoist. Yep. So I think that just reinforces those traits that are apparent in all three of them for sure. Definitely. And he, um, Izzy Neutral says that a Mandelbaum usually rolls the crepes, but I yep. think because they know all three of them are holed up in the hospital, yep. they kind of have to compromise and say, okay, we'll get Cubans slash Dominicans to do it for Cuban, us. Actual humans from Cuba. Actual humans from Cuba. Yeah, yeah I, think, do it, yeah. I think that would have been a hard compromise for them to make, but they had to at least come to terms with their immediate reality of, well, we're all in hospital. Mm. We can't roll crepes from here. No. That's right. That would have been a very hard thing to admit. Of course. Yeah. But in a way, it's admirable that they did yeah. that. Yeah. You know, they'd, they'd rather keep the business going because it also, it falls back on the pride of the family. Yeah. And, you know, they chant Mandelbaum, Mandelbaum, yeah. Mandelbaum. I mean, they it shows- showing off their pride. It shows even yeah. their pride has limits, That's which right. is, in this case, the right thing to do. Yeah. Even though they employed the wrong people, but they still made the right choice, just the wrong people. Too bad they don't know their limits on lifting weights. No. Yeah, it's a problem. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Jerry just lifts the TV. Yeah. <laughs> and he moves it. Like, he doesn't even try. He just moves it out of frustration. He's like, oh, I'll just move it. Yeah, yeah. Like he just how... lifts it like it's nothing. He's like, yeah. oh, whatever. And is he, is he neutral? Just goes, out of the way, string bean. <laughs> <laughs> even though he's like this skinny old man. And Jerry, you know, he's not he's not uh, buff, but he's, yeah. you know, he's got a bit of definition. He's slightly muscular. He's a sporty guy. <laughs> yeah. oh, Lloyd Bridges, man. He was yeah. fantastic. He is Rest good. in peace, man. Uh, do you have anything else about any of the other secondaries? No, that's all I have. How about yourself? Uh, I've just got a few notes on Earl Hafler. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, so... I'm sure we'll talk about him more in the Diplomats Club. Yeah, he's we, more we will. Yeah. Uh, so, this is his second appearance, and like we mentioned during trivia, he's obviously forgiven Kramer, yep. and uh, which is actually a surprise because he kind of implies in the Diplomats Club that, you know, you can't... Once you get uh, once you get one over on him once, he'll never forgive you. But obviously, Kramer charms him, or, you know, something happens where he gives Kramer another chance. Hmm. And in the Diplomats Club, it's sort of suggested that he's not actually from New York, that he's just passing through. I thought he was from Texas. I think Obviously, so, yeah. with his uh, hat and... His Texan his, accent. Yeah, yeah, And his, um, I, can't, I think they're called bull ties. Yeah, you know, one the, of those, yes, Yeah, yes. The, the, the cord things yes. instead of a tie. Yes. Uh, and his, yeah, and his hat and his accent. Yeah, I thought he was from Texas, yeah. I don't see too many... I couldn't imagine too many New Yorkers dressing like no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, not legitimately. Yeah. Not seriously. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to guess that, you know, he's a businessman. He's probably got his fingers in a lot of pies. He's probably a bit of an entrepreneur. And the rest. I reckon in the last year or two, he's opened up an office in New York. And maybe he's looking for new business ventures to run out of that office. And maybe a bit of desperation is what causes him to trust Kramer again. Yeah. You know, if if Kramer was in Texas and, and Earl was like in his home state where all of his business ventures are really strong, he wouldn't have had a bar of him. But he's like, I'm trying to build my New York businesses. 
yeah, I'll give Kramer another go. And obviously it doesn't work out. Yeah. So that's what I think made him relinquish his uh, his hard line against Kramer and sort of, you know, trust him to, to, to uh, you know, to roll cigars for him. But obviously it doesn't work out. So yeah, I, I was under the impression that Kramer was part of some kind of smuggling ring or some people trafficking or like <laughs> yeah. human trafficking ring or something. Because I'm like, people, like that's a bit deep that's a bit dark isn't it like yeah, transferring transporting people yeah like that's pretty i don't know that's for one i mean what about the dominicans like how could kramer screw that up he could have just gone to cuba yeah <laughs> that's true but no nothing wrong with, i think yeah nothing wrong with dominicans i'm sure they're lovely people but they just don't roll a cigar or a crepe as well nope. apparently according to the seinfeld universe according to, there's nothing like cubans that's right do you have anything about the dominican slash cubans uh just their leader guillermo um i mean he uh I'd looked into a bit about Dominican Republican history around the time. He's played so by think- Marco Rodriguez. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I was thinking, why was he so attracted to communism? You know, even though Kramer just sort of mentions Cuba and and Castro and all of that sort of I stuff. I love at how the time. they dress like Castro. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, in the mid '90s, there was a major political upheaval in the Dominican Republic. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, and uh, the party that came to power was the Dominican Liberation Party. And uh, they've sort of more or less been in power since. And they're kind of like a pseudo-democratic uh, party. They're kind of like halfway between an authoritarian and democratic kind of party. Right. Um, I actually read one article that kind of compared them in a way to the uh, Communist Party of China, where they oh. have capitalist ideals, but they're still at heart a very authoritarian, um, you know, communist sort of government. Yeah. And I'm guessing that Guillermo maybe always had a taste for communism. Mm. And when the more capitalist Dominican Dominican Liberation Party came in, you know, because they were less communist than the previous party, he was a bit dissatisfied. And then when Kramer introduced him to the idea of, uh, you know, Fidel Castro and his writings in Cuba, that kind of like relit that flame. Yeah. And he's like, now I can be a full communist. And that's what sort of pushed him over that edge. I think he always had an interest in it. Yeah. You know, or just like a bit of a bit of a. You know, he he dabbled in it, maybe. And it's not the first time Kramer's dabbled in communism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the race. Yeah, Kramer and communism have a complex relationship. They sure do, don't yeah, they? Yeah. I like <laughs> when they don't really work, they go off to number one. Oh, Presidente. He <laughs> just points to himself. Presidente. 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 Yeah, so I think, I think uh, yeah, the combination of the fact that he's out of work, he's come all the way to America only for his job to fall through, and the, the, the dabbling in communism and now the full... Uh, Taking up of communism is what caused him to hijack the plane and take it to Cuba. <laughs> yeah, how pre nine eleven? Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty. Like I saw that. You know, in a post nine eleven world, you look at a scene like that and you're like, whoa, maybe not. I don't think that would work. Yeah, no. and I love how in that scene, it's not really about uh, any of the secondaries, but I love how Elaine is more frustrated over the fact that she can't watch sack lunch <laughs> yeah. than the fact that her fucking plane has been hijacked. Typical, <laughs> we're hijacking this plane. Yeah, and she's like, oh, ready to Cuba. Yeah, yeah. I know. He's Turn like, damn, I'm watch sack lunch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that's why he was so attracted to uh, to uh, communism, you know, at that time. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I didn't read about the history of the Dominican yeah, Republic. Yeah, I, so. I knew nothing about uh, the Dominican Republic other than the fact that they don't roll cigars apparently as well as Cubans. Apparently. Seinfeld well, is to be believed. Again, that is in the Seinfeld universe, probably not reality. I'm sure Dominican cigars are pretty good. Just as good. Just as good. No, we'll, we'll smoke one before next week just to tell you. If you're from the Dominican Republic, send us an email and yes. tell us. <laughs> and send some cigars. That's all the secondary characters I have. Yes, me too. Let's have one more break and we're going to come back and talk or we'll find out rather where the English patient sits in our greatest episodes of all time and if any of today's secondary characters make our top 20 list. We'll be right back. This is Seinfeld's kid. Or you think you're tough picking on an old man? Maybe you'd like to try taking on somebody your own age. You got any kids? 
Or you think you're better than me? Go ahead, pick out anything in the room here. I'll lift it up over my head. Look, no one is lifting anything. The television. <laughs> this one's for you, Pop. It's go time. <laughs> This is But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, and we have just given you our takes on the secondary characters for The English Patient, our 120th episode of this podcast, and this is our 101st Seinfeld episode that we have reviewed. So, Stephen, out of 101, where does The English Patient sit for you? 99. 99, okay. Yeah. Bottom three. Yeah, I didn't like uh, a lot of this episode. Yeah, me too. Yeah. The the Mandelbaums, although they're a favourite, uh, sort of secondary character among Seinfeld fans. For some reason, they really just don't appeal to me. Because you said um, on the way here that um, you said that they were all the same and you wish yeah. that they had like a couple of nuances that could have been different. To yeah, like them. where they were yeah. fundamentally the same, but just a couple of little traits that differentiated them slightly, Yeah, uh, I think would have made them more appealing to me. I'm at the opposite end. I, I'm glad that they're all the same. Mm. I think it kind of works. It just goes to show like why they all are the way they are. I understand that that down. is the joke. Yeah, yeah, That, yeah. you know, they're just carbon copies of each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but and they're all yeah. within like 15 years of each other. Yeah, they all look the same. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand that that's, was, that was the choice and that's the joke, but for some reason it just didn't really do much for me yeah um yeah and i didn't really care for uh georgia's storyline the fact yeah that yeah i don't know i just it just didn't i think the idea of it could have been done a lot better but mm. just the way it was executed just didn't do a lot for me yeah jerry's storyline yeah craber and communism yeah it's kind of been done it's been done uh i actually only- wasn't really much of a fan of the um elaine subplot yeah, I didn't really care much for Elaine's like hatred of English. I could relate to it. Yeah. But I thought that the the only scenes I really enjoyed, other than a few lines from other characters, were Elaine's scenes, especially in the cinema where she just where she just cracks it mm. and she's like, die already. Like yeah. I, I laughed at that. Yeah, I thought yeah, that was yeah. funny. And uh, you know, Kramer's Lane, like, El Presidente was funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was funny. Uh, but yeah, mostly a pretty forgettable episode. Yeah, me too. Didn't uh, really rate it too highly. Yeah. How about you? Ninety four. Okay. Um yeah, I mean definitely a, a forgettable one. Like, I watched it twice, and I'm like, yeah, then usually I watch an episode on the day we record, and I'm like, oh, should I watch it a third time? But I didn't really feel like it. I don't know. I was just like, oh, I've already seen it twice. I've got enough out of it. Yep. You know, it's just, yeah. There's better ones. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Any of the secondaries make you 20? Nah. Nah. Uh, big props to Izzy. Yeah. Izzy neutral, as you call him. Izzy senior and Izzy junior. Yep. Props to them. Izzy middle. Yeah, but they don't make my 20, but yeah, yeah special mention to them. True. And Danielle was a good character too. Yeah, no, she's good. Yeah, excellent. Uh, that's it for another week, but I don't want to be a secondary character. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get in touch, you can email bidwabask, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on all the socials and we are on Patreon as well. Yes. All the links to all of those, uh, links. Links. Yeah. The links to all those are in the show notes. The links to those links (laughs) are linked in the social notes. Uh, Yes. And uh, you can find me, uh, on ivanpugoni.com. Uh, that's P-U-G-G-I-O-N-I. Um, yeah. And I'm also on social media at Ivan C. Pigioni. So uh, find me on the socials. I am on social media, but I don't wish to be followed by people outside of this podcast. So I'm going to plug my own personal okay, social media. Fair medias. enough. Well, I'm trying to build my voiceover acting kind of career. So fair enough. It However, helps. I do have a uh, newish Seinfeld group uh, on Facebook. It's called Seinfeldisms. Yes. Just go to Facebook and type in Seinfeldisms and join. Uh, I think I'm up to 4,000 people now. I so know. Growing, growing steadily. Fantastic. Yes. If you want to join in the Seinfeld fun, check it out. Yes. And if you already follow Seinfeldisms and listen to this podcast, thank you. Yes. You're doing us a double solid. Indeed. Until Indeed. next week, I'm Stephen. I'm Ivan. 
And uh, what are we doing next week? The Pitch, the season pitch. four. Really good episode. Nice. Can't yes, wait. Can't wait to do a really good one. Um, yes. And uh, on Patreon, if you do follow us on Patreon and you pay $2 or more a month, we have our review of the 2013 romantic comedy Enough Said, starring JLD and James Gandolfini. Indeed. So you can listen there. Awesome. All right. See Catch you next, you next week. week. Catch up. Bye.